The second reading is from Luke 2, 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, for which was just as they had been told. Well, I can still vividly remember the 1st of January 2020, sitting with a bunch of mates, discussing our great plans for the year ahead. We had plans of taking up new hobbies, of learning new languages even, and certainly losing a bit of weight in the year ahead. Yet none of us predicted that pretty much nine months is it of this year has been spent indoors, that taking a face mask out of the house with us would be as essential as leaving the house with our wallet and keys. And none of us predicted that April's best-selling car in the UK would be a Little Tykes Mini Coupe, 50 pounds from Argos. That was the best-selling car in April this year. A lot of desperate parents, I think. But of course, there's been a darker side to 2020. At one survey from University College London of 10,000 17-year-olds showed that one in four have self-harmed this year of those 10,000 17-year-olds interviewed. Add to that the events of George Floyd earlier this year and the child poverty highlighted by Marcus Rashford. And it's no surprise, is it, that many people are calling 2020 the new swear word. And as that slither of joy that we had of spending Christmas, at least Christmas, with our friends and family was taken away last night. It's no surprises that we're feeling pretty joyless. And that's what I want us to think about this afternoon. How can, how can we find joy 
in a joyless year. That kind of joy, that inner gladness, how can we find that in a joyless year, even in 2020? Well, I want us to look at a, an older story from another year that was very, very memorable. And it was a story that led to great joy. Not fleeting joy that's lost in the sort of 24-hour news cycle, but a, a deep joy that is still experienced by well, millions of people across the world today. See, the message of Christmas at its core is a message of good news that brings great joy. And look, this Christmas, that's certainly something I need after this year that we've had. And can I suggest that you need that too? I think Bowdoin were onto something. I don't know if you shop at Bowdoin. Um, I can't say I ever have, but the front of their catalogue says this. If ever there was a year that needed Christmas, this is it. That's what Bowdoin said. And I think they're onto something. If ever there was a year we needed Christmas, this is it. I, I presume what they meant, though, was probably sort of turkey and trimmings and tinsel and, I don't know, a few Bowdoin jumpers in, packaged under the tree and that kind of thing. But, but now much of that has been taken away. What are we left with? Well, can I suggest that in the true Christmas story, we're still left with a message of good news for all people that bring us great joy. We heard a few minutes ago then a reading, a Christmas reading from Luke's Gospel. Luke's account is one of the four accounts then of Jesus' life in the Bible. And Luke, who's writing, he was a historian, he cares about details, he cares about facts. And he records that, a surprising thing really, that the, the news of Christmas first of all came to an unexpected source. It came to shepherds. Forget the sort of tea towel on the head school nativity scene of shepherds and instead remember that these were smelly unkempt outsiders they were nobodies yet the news came to them of all people it was just an ordinary night shift for them probably a boring night shift they were cold they were outside they were counting the sheep one two miss a few 99 100 that kind of thing I mean, the only thing they really had going for them was that they were early adopters of herd immunity. Sorry, that's the only joke you'll be getting this afternoon. But into the sort of boring, quiet evening scene that they had came a, an extraordinary event. We're told that into that midnight, pitch black darkness shone a brilliant, dazzling light as an angel appeared to them. We're told twice that they were terrified as they saw this angel and look it might be that you hear the mention of an angel and you think okay this is the moment that you've lost me I'm a sophisticated zone one city dweller angels really come come on but let me just say if, if that is you look these shepherds weren't gullible they had seen a thing or two and they were as terrified we're told that in the bible as you and I would be but also if this was a, a hinge moment in history splitting BC and AD, surely we would expect something amazing, something remarkable, unexpected, like an angel appearing to happen. And the angel that appeared brought the shepherds what a message. And I want us to think about that message just in three little parts over the next few minutes. First of all then, the, the angel brought a message of good news, a long-awaited message of good news. Did you see that in verse 10 that was read out a few minutes ago? Let me read it again. 
It said, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. And this good news then is, is centred on the baby, on this baby, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're told a few things about the baby. We're told the, the day, that today this baby will be born. Uh, we're shown the location. This baby is born in the town of David. Uh, that is the town of Bethlehem. It's not a sort of, uh, you know, uh, long time ago in a land far away fairy tale kind of thing. It's, it's not Hogwarts or Narnia. This is rooted in, in history. You could get on a plane tomorrow if you wanted and go to Bethlehem. You might need to self-isolate for a couple of weeks, but it's a genuine place. It's a genuine location where this baby was born. And we're told not just the day or the location, but also the identity of this baby. Verse 11 records that this baby is a saviour, Messiah, the Lord. And to be honest, this is the good news, this baby's identity is the good news that the Trinity Church Islington exists. The identity of this baby as a saviour is what the, the whole Bible has been crescendoing to. And this is the heart then of the good news. See, look, I think sometimes the, the message of Christianity is, is understood as sort of just being good advice. You know what I mean by that. Don't lie, uh, don't steal, love your neighbour, that kind of thing. And of course the Bible does speak about those things. But the heart of the Christian message isn't a message of good advice. It's a message of good news, an announcement of what God has done in coming to save and coming to rescue through this baby who was born in a manger but went to die on a cross later in his life. See, lots of us, I think, assume that if we follow the good news kind of more than we don't, and if we, we generally do that, we'll, we'll get to heaven in the end. But the message is much better than that. It's a message of a saviour who has done everything that you need. He has done it all. But of course, the language of a saviour suggest that you and I are people who need saving. So we've made the good things that have been given to us by God into ultimate things, haven't we? Those things that we saw in the video of, of happiness and health and the family at Christmas all around the fireplace, we've made those things into the main things rather than God. We've built our lives and our meaning on something other than God himself. You could say that we've, we've worshipped the gifts rather than the giver. And that has ultimately dishonoured God because we've not given him thanks that is due to him. Um, my little son is <clears throat> two years old and he had his birthday last month. And it's a lovely age, lots of fun things going on uh, as he's two now. But one of the slightly awkward things is when he opens presents. And uh, I don't know, imagine that he opens a, a knitted cardigan from his grandma and it's a lovely cardigan. She spent lots of time on it. But as he opens the wrapping paper, he's not quite got the sort of social cues and etiquette to, to say thank you because he really wants a dumper truck or a, a train in that parcel that he opens. And he sees a knitted jumper and thinks, no, I'm off to something else. <laughs> and we're trying to sort of teach him that you need to say thank you uh, and do that. He's only two. Of course, he's not going to know better. But... Look, it would be weird, wouldn't it, in a birthday uh, in, in 15 years' time, 
it's scary to think about, but when he's 17, if we, I don't know, say gave him a, a car and we gave him the car key on his birthday and he took the key and drove the car off, but he didn't say thank you to us for that present and that gift. He didn't really even acknowledge us. He just grabbed it and, and then went off. That, that would be rude. Um, that'd be very dishonouring to his parents. Yeah, that's how many of us tragically have treated God. Oh, oh, we've grabbed the stuff that he's given us, the gifts that he's given us, but him? Oh, no, no regards, no reference to him. And because of that, we have a broken relationship with the one who created us. Yet the good news of Christmas is that it doesn't have to be that way. See, the birth of this baby is, is good news, it's light into the darkness. As we track this story in the Bible of this precious little baby who, who exchanges a wooden crib for a wooden cross so that we might be forgiven for all of the ways that we have dishonoured God. So that relationship with that creator who made us can be restored. So the good news of Christmas is a wonderful message of salvation. Not salvation from a, a brilliant vaccine that turns up to get rid of COVID, or, or a cash injection that comes from Dishy Rishi, or even free school meals on the table from Marcus Rashford. No, the, the message of salvation comes through this baby. And that is good news even in 2020. If ever there was a year that we needed good news, this is it. Well, the second thing uh, that we're shown is that it's good news for all people. Good news for all people. See, very little in this world is good news for everyone, is it? Um, I don't know, we, we kind of sometimes think that something like sport might unite everyone. That's good news for everyone, isn't it? But if you're an Arsenal fan and you're following the Premier League at the moment, you'll know that, that not really much of the time it's good news. In fact, it's bad news. It doesn't quite unite us in the way that we think it might. Or um, we might think politics. A, a new charismatic leader who, who will rise up and unite everyone together, but surely the last few years have shown us that that's not really happened. Very little really genuinely unites all people with good news. We think maybe, maybe a vaccine would, maybe this vaccine, that, that's good news for everyone, right? But again, depending on your age will depend on whether you're going to get it. It'll be good news for someone, but not for someone else. And as Gavin Williamson strangely said, I don't know if you noticed a few weeks ago, the education secretary said, look, Britain have got the vaccine first because we're a better country. But that's hardly good news for someone in South Sudan, is it? As I guess they won't be quite at the front of the queue for it. Yeah, something that does unite us all is the problem that I spoke about a few moments ago of the way that we have dishonoured God. But wonderfully, something else that unites us all is verse 10, this offer of rescue, of good news, that is genuinely for all people. And the shepherds kind of model this, don't they? These, these outsiders, these nobodies, the good news comes to them. Look, I don't know if you're um, tuning into this, you wouldn't maybe call yourself a Christian or, or religious. And I, what do you make, I don't know, of Christians or Christianity? You might think that it's for people who have, who have got their life together, 
people who are sorted or, or, or respectable kind of people. Or you might think the opposite, that it's people who are so needy and desperate in life that they, they sort of just have this crutch that they rely on through their lives. Yet the Bible doesn't narrow it down. It says that this message is for, for all people. That means it's for the, the Islington resident who owns a £30 million house, but also for the Islington resident who struggles to put food on the table for their family. Good news, regardless of age or race or gender or anything like that, kind of backgrounds. In a few moments, um, we're going to sing a song that's kind of riffing on the carol we just heard, that, that famous carol, O Come All Ye Faithful. But, but this song we're going to hear later is a solo that, that kind of changes those words and says, no, it said, O come all you unfaithful, all you bitter and all you broken. And that's many of us, isn't it, this Christmas? This good news is for us. And actually, as we look at the, the church globally, around the world, we see that this message is for all people. It's not a, a message that's just sort of geographically bound or for people, certain language or, or place in the world. No, it's for all. And you see that in the way that Christianity is represented in the church around the world. It's good news for all people. And the third thing from the angel is this, that it causes or that it brings great joy. Let me just read that verse out again, verse 10 of Luke 2. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. <clears throat> I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Look, I don't need to tell you that, that 2020 has, has been pretty joyless, hasn't it? All those things that we heard about in the video that we've not been able to do the things that normally bring us joy. Um, we've not been able to perhaps hold that newborn baby in, in our family just because of limitations of travel and restrictions this year. Look, we've not even been able to just go for a drink with a friend at the pub without having to sit outside in the wind and, and rain and order a substantial meal. You know, these kind of basic things in life that we sort of so normally just enjoy. Yet, if this good news that we're reading about here in Luke is true, doesn't it make real sense that it would be something that brings great joy? I don't know if you saw the, um, the photos, the pictures of, of Maggie Keenan, Margaret Keenan, the first lady in the UK to, or well, first person in the UK to receive the vaccine. 90 years old, uh, you sort of saw the photo of her being jabbed in the arm and uh, and the, the NHS kind of staff there applauding and clapping a wonderful moment of joy for this lady and for the staff in that hospital yet if this message that Jesus Christ the son of God has been born into the world that he suffered that he died to to pay for all the ways that we have dishonored God and he's done all this for us so that we can enjoy heaven and, and so that we can enjoy relationship with God now and joy now, doesn't it make sense that that would lead to great joy? I don't mean the kind of joy, you know, joyless sort of insta-happy, you know, everything's great with my life kind of joy. I mean a genuine deep joy that transcends circumstances. See, I think really the ultimate test to see if we've understood the message of Christianity 
is to see whether we really understand this to be the best news available. Not just something that's sort of intellectually interesting to research or, or something that's good advice or, or good news for some people, but whether we've really understood this to be something that leads to a deep and great joy. I think C.S. Lewis understood this, the, the author and academic who put it like this, he said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is of moderate importance. And look, many at Trinity Church Islington know that this is of infinite importance. And they know the joy that that brings as well. And so if you're a regular listening and tuning into this today, can I encourage you that despite all the disappointments maybe about your plans coming up over Christmas and all the things that have been thrown in this year, can I encourage you just to think about this bigger picture over the next few days and weeks? This great picture that Jesus Christ has come as the saviour for you. Despite everything going on, can you think about that and, and take joy in that, even at this time of year? And maybe it's that a friend has invited you along to, to kind of watch this service. And it would be a great thing if, if you were to ask them, look, what is it that brings you this joy? What's that like? They'd love to answer that question. And maybe it's a friend who always invites you to things at Trinity or always bangs on about their faith to you. Well, one of the reasons that they do that is because they want you to experience the joy that, that they know. As we draw to a close, the, the news of this vaccine that came out you know, a couple of weeks ago, it did bring joy, didn't it? And that day, as we scrolled through the news feed, as we saw that this vaccine finally had been approved and Great news. Surely that means that we're nearer the end of this thing than the beginning of COVID. Yet it would have been strange, wouldn't it, if we had heard that news or read about that news and just kind of shrugged our shoulders or, or we received a letter saying we're eligible for the vaccine, but we, we just left the letter on the side and didn't do anything about it or chucked it in the bin. Or if we were so cynical and sceptical about the vaccine that we didn't bother doing any of our own research, that, that would be a bit weird, wouldn't it? Yet tragically, that's how many of us have responded to this greater message of good news, of great joy for all people that came to, of the Saviour in the town of David. Maybe you've heard this before, this message. Maybe you think you've understood it, but it's not led you to amazement. You've not grasped this message for yourself. Can I ask why that is? Maybe it's that you've never really thought about these things properly as an, as an adult. And one of the things that we're doing in the new year that you'll hear more about in a moment is this course where you can explore Christianity just for four weeks over Zoom, pretty low stakes. You can bring your questions, you can bring your scepticism as well. That's a great thing to, to be able to, to think about these things more. Because if this is the hinge event in history, if this is one of the most, well, the most significant events in history, surely you want to look into it as an adult for yourself. Like at the end of a year, at the end of a week that many of us want to just delete from memory and get rid of, hear this Christmas message of good news for all people that causes great joy. 
the, the kind of joy that can turn 2020 up on its head for you personally. If ever there was a year that we needed Christmas, this is it.